Oh, she's a real carpenter's dream, flat as a board and needs a screw. Oh, gosh. Hi, everybody. Oh, <laughs> That's a rough start. Sleep away, Cam. <laughs> yeah. A, a good sleazy quote for a good sleazy movie. Um, <laughs> hello, everybody. Welcome to the Rabbit Weasel Podcast, episode number 21. Uh, hey, we can drink now. We can drink now. We should celebrate. Yeah, I, I think I think you guys already are. Um, we, got covered, man. we got you covered. <laughs> not me. It's eleven o'clock in the morning. <laughs> I'm Jared. That's my brother, uh, Justin, my co-host. Justin, you seem like you're doing well tonight. Good to see you. Yep, always happy to be here. One of my favorite okay. things that I do. And we also have my sister-in-law, Mia. How are you? I'm great. How are you, Jared? I'm doing fine, doing fine. Ready to talk about Sleepaway Camp. So a brief introduction. This movie was released in 1983. Uh, it is a slasher movie, one of the more, I guess, infamous ones. So 1983, uh, we're pretty fairly early in the post-Friday the 13th slasher boom. And this is a summer camp slasher movie, which Friday the 13th popularized. So I love this. I'm a sucker for this format. I like summer camp movies. I like slasher movies. They're kind of like, some of them can be really good. Some of them can be really bad. They're, they're kind of like a snack food, you know, for movies. But a lot of slasher movies all blend together for me. This is one that has always kind of stuck with me, I think, for the, um, well, there's a lot of psychological stuff going on in this movie. We also have one of the most famous twist endings of all time, at least in horror movies, and some great special effects. But uh, with that, let's start with, oh, first I should say this is our first fan request. So a uh, family member of ours, you know who you are. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. I was just sending my thanks as well. Yeah. He also requested Frankenhooker, uh, which we're going to get to at some point. So, Sleepaway Camp, first impressions time. Let's start with Mia. Mia, was this your first time seeing Sleepaway Camp? It is my first time seeing Sleepaway Camp. What did you think? Um, so, I was both very uncomfortable and very <laughs> entertained at the same time. Yeah, that's a good way of putting it. For different reasons. Yeah, it was really uncomfortable. Amen. Yeah. Yes. All right. <laughs> That's, that's a good way to put it. Uncomfortable. <laughs> Justin, do you have a different perspective? <laughs> oh man, it's going to be fun tonight. Yeah, I, um, there are, the ending is phenomenal. I think it's on par with like, Carrie is the closest thing I can think of to like a scene that like really sticks with you visually. Um, and several pieces made me uncomfortable and I guess it's something we share the whole, I kind of uh, romanticize summer camp as like a romantic ideal kind of thing. And so having that as the slasher setting, I'm like torn between this like nostalgia towards summer camp and then just the, the, the very gross juxtaposition of this movie. <laughs> um, but it's a, it was a lot of fun. I was glad that we did it and that it was suggested to us as a fan request. So let me say, first of all, as always, we go in depth into spoilers. So um, we try to hold the spoilers off till the end of the podcast. But if you have not seen this movie, once again, pause this, go watch the movie, come back. You don't want this one ruined for you. Now, did either of you manage, you managed to avoid the spoiler, right? Or did you? Uh, did one you of us did. Um, one of us Googled it mid-movie. I'm not going to call any names, Nia. But, uh... <laughs> Thanks for not calling me up, Justin. Yeah. yeah. I, I didn't see it coming. I mean, I so I got the sense that something was going on. My thought was that it was that it involved the main characters, either the, uh, the cousin um, or the uh yeah paul yeah so i didn't i didn't know it was coming i guess i knew okay. there was some kind of twist but i didn't know it was coming so i knew it was coming but i forgot so actually <laughs> it was still a surprise me. <laughs> so like when we have to when we first talked about it i like googled it but i was like oh don't waste up because yeah. you know it's a huge spoiler but as we were watching the movie i actually had forgotten all about it and then i was like oh my god that, that's right this is what it is but it was 
you know, still a really great, actually a really <laughs> enjoy the movie, though I, I was uncomfortable at times. Not for what you think. I think it's I don't know. There's a lot. I, of- I think I probably know what you're. This is. Um, <laughs> yeah, it was so uncomfortable. Many, so many parts <laughs> that you're just like. Oh. Yeah, you don't need so to be. This a- movie is very. Uh, I mean, like any good '80s movie, it's very politically incorrect, right? There's a lot of stuff in there, um, but at the same time, in some ways, there's some progressive stuff in this movie, which maybe we'll get into that later. But yeah. first, I want to say I heard about this movie from, I believe it was Robot Chicken. Uh, there's there's a skit in Robot Chicken where they parody the end of this movie. And I'm like, oh, that's crazy. Um, so I watched the movie. But even if you know what's coming, it still can't really ruin the ending for you. It's done so well that, uh, I mean, I've now watched it three or four times and it's still, it's it still has a big impact. But let's jump into the plot okay first let's do a quick rundown of the characters so we have um i think i know them all by name we have angela who is sort of the main protagonist she's a 13 year old girl first time at camper she is very extremely painfully shy and uncomfortable traumatized as we'll see from the beginning of the movie we have her cousin ricky we have Ricky's best friend, Paul, who develops kind of a, an interest with Angela. We have Mel, the camp owner, who is, uh, he's great. I love Mel. Meg, who is a camp counselor who's really mean. And we have Judy, who is uh, the main bully. So that's a quick rundown of all the characters. We'll go over them again as we get to them. But uh, did you guys by any chance watch, how did you watch this movie? So we, we watched it at night and on our projector um, yeah. here at the house. Uh, Did you watch ago. it on Shutter, Tubi, I YouTube? Think it was on IMDb's uh, free streaming service. Yeah. Or, mm-hmm. yeah, I think it was IMDb had it. I think. Oh, okay, okay. Well, if anyone gets a chance, watch the Joe Bob Briggs version with um, uh, the Last Drive-In on Shutter. He does. He did this movie, and uh, it's anything with Joe Bob is great. He also has on Felissa Rose. Let's go ahead and give a shout out to Felissa Rose. I love Felissa Rose. She's the one who played Angela uh, when she was 13 years old, and she is of all the famous people I have met, or celebrities, actors, actresses. She's the the coolest. Period. And I've met a lot of cool ones. Uh, she's just super friendly. What's that, Justin? Where did you meet her? I don't remember. I met her, I think it was 2019 at Days of the Dead or Monsterama. Yeah. One of those conventions, she was there. I think it was Days of the Dead, but I could be wrong. But yeah, I met her and she's just the, the friendliest person on earth. So uh, thank you, Phyllis Rose, got her autograph. It's, I asked her some questions. I'll get into what I asked her later on because it has to do with the ending. But uh all right, the opening scene. Now, if you've never seen this movie, pay very close attention to the opening scene. Very close attention. So we have a, a young boy and girl, two kids, little kids, are on a small boat on a lake with their dad. Uh, they are playing around, causing the boat to flip over, throwing them all into the water. Immediately after that, um, there are some... Sorry, in my notes here... I meant to say there are some teenagers who are driving too fast. I wrote there are some teachers who are driving too fast. It's definitely, I've got teachers on the mind for some reason. It's definitely teenagers. <laughs> Those wild teachers. Um, they're, they're driving their bike, uh, their boat too fast, goodness. And they hit them, killing the father and one of the kids. Now, we cut to eight years later. Here we meet Ricky, who I've already kind of mentioned, Ricky and Angela. I guess they're about the same age. Maybe Ricky is a little bit older. He's probably 14 or 15, I guess. And they are hand, heading off to summer camp. So we have Martha, who is Ricky's mom, and she is Angela's aunt. So Angela has gone to live with Ricky and Martha after the boating accident. Time for our first pause. Aunt Martha. She's creepy. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, she. the first time I saw this movie, I did not know what to think about her. I mean, what did you guys think about Martha? 
she's a doctor, isn't she? She it does mention that she is a doctor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she and... seemed very overbearing and a little aloof when she was giving the kids instructions when we first met her. Yeah, kind of disengaged from mm-hmm. like an emotional. That's a good way to put it. Disengaged. Yeah, yeah she's yeah. just. She's also really like, and overbearing at the same time. Like she's really encouraging Ricky to take care of Angela because she's her little girl, and it's like some, and like it's like repeated about kind of her being her special girl. And I don't know. It's the whole thing is a little weird. Yeah, I think so. First off, that actress does a great job of just making the first time I saw it, I didn't, I thought it was really bad acting because I'm like, what is going on here? But it's actually really good acting because she's very, she's very off. Um, I don't know, something about it is the eyes are way too wide open and she's too enthusiastic and she like just stops randomly to comment to herself. You know, she seems like she's in a completely different movie altogether, you know. So anyways, remember Aunt Martha. She's weird. Uh, <laughs> she co- she becomes important later. But she reminds them in a weird moment to not tell anybody how they got their physicals. <laughs> and then sends them on their way. Uh, oh, yeah. no, no, that oh, would not do it all. I forgot about that. Um, uh so what's some great foreshadowing early on well done movie (laughs) yeah there's actually a lot of stuff in that first scene that's pretty well done but uh anyways at the camp we immediately oh goodness uh we meet artie uh let's just be let's be straightforward about artie artie is a pedophile cook and one of the most uncomfortable parts of this movie yeah oh my gosh yes he will make you uncomfortable. There is nothing subtle about Artie. Um, he's like a big chubby guy who has dirty like stains on his clothes and just, yeah. He could not be more creepy or open about the fact that he's a pedophile. So like when the kids come up, he's standing with his, the head cook or head of the kitchen and he's saying horrible things and his boss just laughs him off like, oh, oh, oh this is you're 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 silly like some shouldn't somebody report this guy <laughs> yeah the lines are actually like Cringe. really really cringeworthy i mean it uh yeah we were i mean <laughs> i feel like i have a pretty wide range of like language that i'm comfortable with <laughs> probably um but his jokes about like the campers who are preteens um is really really uncomfortable yeah very uncomfortable yeah yeah i'm not gonna quote it you can watch the movie if you want to know what he says but he's yeah uh so anyways already the the pedophile cook um the strong characters in this movie you remember them that's for sure um but it's a just (laughs) world in this movie it's a just world yeah 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 we'll get there so Ricky uh, shows Angela around and he runs into his girlfriend. Um, he runs into Judy, who was his girlfriend from the previous year. Yep. And apparently Judy has matured a little bit since the previous year yep. based on their comments. And because she's matured now, she is too cool for Ricky and kind of blows him off. And then she goes and talks to some of the older boys and she has an immediate, an immediate dislike for Angela uh, again, Angela is completely, she's basically almost comatose throughout the first third half of this movie. She never speaks. She barely moves. She just kind of sits there and stares, right? So, and this just pisses off Judy. She, Judy can't handle it. <laughs> so the next day at breakfast, I think, Angela is, isn't eating. So a camp counselor, and I can't remember his name. I should have written it down because he's, he's like one of the few decent people yeah. in this movie the head counselor. Um, So he takes her to the kitchen. Like, let's see if we can find some food that she will like. Unfortunately, he leaves her alone with Artie, who promptly promptly takes her into a storage room and starts taking off his belt. Thankfully, Ricky comes in and is like, "Uh, what the hell is going on here? And Artie threatens, threatens both of them to not say anything, and they run off. So yeah, in case you weren't uncomfortable enough with Artie, um, but soon after, 
someone unseen comes into the kitchen. Now, this is the common, common slasher trope of the the. I think Joe Bob said the the killer is a, a camera. You know, <laughs> you're you're watching everything from the perspective of the of the killer, so you don't actually see who the killer is, but you see what they're kind of experiencing. Um, no one sees them coming to the kitchen. Now, Artie. <laughs> Artie is on standing on top of a stool. He's leaning over a very large boiling pot of soup, I think it was. Yeah. Yeah, dangerous situation. Now we've already established how hot the, the how how hot the boiling pot of soup is. So this unseen person bumps into him, causing him to go off balance and like lean over the pot. And he's like, hey, um, get me down from here. And that's one thing. People throughout this movie, they see the killer. Um, we don't, but they do. And they're not intimidated. So we're not dealing with a monster or some big, scary-looking person. He's like, hey, get me down from here. But the person... Justin, what do they do? I'll let you, I'll let you take this one. Well, I mean, the person kind of uh, finishes the job, as it were, and uh, kicks out the stool from underneath them and... Uh... Artie falls right into the boiling uh, soup. That's right. Uh, it's really well done. And then it turns over on him, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, burns him to death. It's not clear if it kills him. Because it does, if it does kill him... Screaming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, if it does kill him, it, it doesn't kill him right away because he's still screaming when the ambulance comes and takes him away. Now, this is where one of the... At all, not suspiciously at all, the owner quickly moves to cover it up. <laughs> yeah, but before we get there, I want to talk about the special effects because oh, yeah. this is, I mean, one of the reasons this movie is so well-remembered, at least for me, is it has some really good special effects that are very... Uh, realistic and painful usually in slasher movies it's just you know someone gets stabbed their head gets cut off but here it's it's a lot more intense so after he spills the water on himself you see his horribly burnt face you know it kind of kind of looks like freddy krueger i guess but even more painful looking yeah, yeah so um but it does raise the question of if he's still alive, why doesn't he tell everybody what happened? I guess, I mean, maybe if you're in that much pain, you just kind of lose your mind and all you can do is scream. Yeah. I don't know. But uh, that's one tiny little plot hole in the movie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I didn't catch that one. But uh, yes, so then we have Mel. Mel, the camp owner, who is one of my favorite characters. How would you, how would you guys describe Mel? <laughs> well, favorite would not be my word for him. Uh, He's pretty close to a villain. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, like in terms of like a villainous character, uh, he's great. Um, and he's like, so that thing, like the older, creepy, also fatherly <laughs> pervert all at the same time um, that kind of, at sometimes is like a grandfatherly figure running the camp and then is sometimes trying to seduce some of the younger campers and then is sometimes like an aggressive monster at the same time. <laughs> so, um, that's how I feel about him. What are you thinking about, Mel? Um, yeah, he's your typical cover-up um, uh, camp. Uh, owner <laughs> that's hidden on the young counselors. Yeah, he, he is the mayor from Jaws in this movie. He's the guy who's there to say, yeah. yeah. He's the one who's like, I don't want, you know, let's let's play this down. Uh, I don't want my 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 dollar, my wallet to be hurt by these tragedies. So let's just pretend they're not happening. So we see this right away because um, when the they come and they take Artie away and the Mel basically pays off the kitchen staff. Uh, he goes to the other guy and says, Hey, that kind of puts you in charge now, doesn't it? How about a nice raise? And you boys too, how about a nice raise? But, uh, and he's very smooth about it, but we, we don't want the campers to know what happened here. It would just upset them. 
Uh, <laughs> so yeah, he kind of smooths the whole thing away. And basically no one knows what happened to Artie. Um, but yeah, Mills, he's, he's kind of a fun character. He's always like chewing on a cigar. <laughs> so now we're going to move away from, we've got our, a couple of horrific scenes and now we're just going to go to summer camp for a little while. We're just going to be at summer camp. You know? First of all, we get the atomic sit-up scene. This is something that comes up in movies a lot. Did you guys ever know anybody who had the atomic sit-up done to them? Uh, I I remember versions of it um, growing <laughs> up. Um, so yeah, it wasn't it wasn't exactly executed in the same way, but uh, yeah, I, I remember versions of it. Okay, I never. I mean, I, we saw a lot of pranks being you know young preteen guys ourselves, but uh, I don't remember the atomic sit up scene. Um, <laughs> Oh, then we get to a baseball game. Yeah, we just have a little baseball game. Justin, did you enjoy the baseball game? You like baseball? I love, I love the baseball game. You know, it was good to see some bats and some balls. And uh, yeah, yeah, it was great. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, did it, <laughs> is that how baseball was when you were when you were playing? Just guys trash talking each other? and you It know. was actually in some degree. <laughs> Our outfits were very different than their outfits. We... Mm. Uh, we weren't wearing crop tops. We were not wearing uh, crop tops and short shorts. Were not um, no. We wore playing baseball, as you might recall. Uh, but it was a lot of shit talking. I mean, we have one uh, infamous friend um, who will use the letters uh, CP to describe who was a catcher, and um, CP liked to talk all kinds of shit. And he would, I mean, you know, talk shit to the batters talk shit when he was running the field so yeah that piece of it but you know to me his point we did not have the crop tops and we did not have the shorts that are that you know that our junk might have been hanging out of that was not how we did it yeah so <laughs> one more i gave you more all right <laughs> so the baseball game, it does have a little bit of a point to it. It kind of builds up a conflict between Ricky, who's on one team, and the older kids who are on the other team. Yeah. Now, I already gave you the great trash talk quote about the carpenter thing at the beginning of the episode. There's another great one here. One of the kids goes, eat shit and die, Ricky. And he goes, eat shit and live, Bill. Yeah. <laughs> wow, he's so, <laughs> Yeah, there's a lot of good back and forth there but um yeah it ends up with them basically hating each other and that becomes important so then we go to a dance where those same older guys um as kind of a joke they're gonna go skinny dipping later because you know that's what you do um and they invite angela as kind of a dare angela continues to do her thing which is nothing but stare blankly at them uh until they start making fun of her basically you know this is no one knows how to act, uh, interact with Angela, so they kind of do that young teenage thing of just make fun of what makes you uncomfortable, I guess. Uh, and they're, they're very mean to her. So you have some sympathy for Angela. And Justin, you brought up Carrie. Some of the parallels uh, are becoming obvious at this point. Uh, but when Ricky sees this, he confronts them and it starts a brawl. Uh, <laughs> Ricky's a brave guy, man. He'll just take on all these older kids. But um, anyways, it gets broken up pretty quickly, but Ricky's friend Paul goes in and talks to her, and she actually seems to slowly warm up to Paul, which is kind of nice. You know, he's genuinely nice to her, and she, you know, instead of just that blank stare, she starts to smile a little bit and seems to be engaged. And you actually get Angela's first bit of dialogue, which is good night. <laughs> <laughs> she has like five lines in this whole movie, even though she's the star. Next, we get to nighttime shenanigans. Um, <laughs> so the boys, the boys, they're all going to go skinny dipping, but they fail to get the girls to come along. So they just all go skinny dipping by themselves. Um, now, one thing I want to talk about this movie. Um, usually in these kind of movies, 80, especially 80s slashers, there's a lot of female uh, nudity, right? So this would be the part of the movie where all the girls get naked and go skinny dipping. Um, there is no female nudity in this movie, but there's a lot of male nudity uh, in this movie. You see <laughs> a lot of asses and not to mention just a lot of like, as we've already mentioned, barely dressed men. So uh, if you came for the ladies, you're going to be out of luck. 
if you came for the men, you'll enjoy this movie, I guess. But uh, so one of the boys takes it, kind of flips the. What's that? Even when you're not expecting it, you might. Yeah, yeah. So as revenge, I guess one of the boys takes a girl out in a canoe, and oh, I should mention he keeps he's trying to scare her about like there's water snakes and stuff like that. And he flips the canoe, tossing them both into the water. So she gets pissed and swims off. For some reason, he goes back under the canoe. I guess he's being silly or he's going to flip it over. Um, well, there's one problem with the scene, and that's there would be no light under the canoe at yeah. night. But let's just ignore that because it's a good scene. Um, there's a great scare where as he's underneath the water, we see someone's head just rise up out of the water. And we see the back of this person's head. And... It's a pretty good scare, I think. It surprised me. Yeah. Uh, there's not many jump scares. Did that one get either of you? Yeah. Yeah. It just kind of comes out of the water. And you're, uh, uh, yeah, suddenly you just see, like, dark hair. Yeah. And, again, the guy is like, what the hell are you doing here? And this person immediately drowns him. Mm-hmm. So... I like, the other guys just leave him there. They're like, oh, he's being stupid. Let's just, he'll come out when he feels like it. Um, which probably isn't too far off from, you know, boys this age. His body is found next to the lake the next morning. And again, some great special effects here. We get his waterlogged body. And there's even a bit of a, what is it? Poetic justice. I don't know. A water snake crawling out of his mouth. Yeah, that's right, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty gross like i said this movie has some really uncomfortable special effects but so his body is taken away and again mel the camp owner tries to play the whole thing down where he's basically shouting at a cop like, it was an accident you know? <laughs> so that's two down two down so far um this one's definitely dead though unlike the previous one this one is definitely dead yeah when, when you have snakes crawling out of your mouth and um he was he was definitely dead <laughs> <laughs> so let's see here paul asks angela to be a date to his movie and angela accepts so angela is finally starting to act semi-normal like she's coming out of her shell a little bit um except she's still not really participating in any of the activities which annoys judy ricky's old girlfriend and annoys meg who i just Sorry, I think about Family Guy every time someone says Meg now. Meg. She's the counselor, right? Yeah. She's the counselor that's really horrible yeah, uh, to Angela. Yeah. yeah. So she, she just, is, there's a just world in this movie, though. These. Go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so anyways, um, yeah, this, this pisses off Judy and pisses off Meg. They decide they hate Angela. <clears throat> After the movie, excuse me, Paul walks Angela to her cabin, holding her hand. It's very sweet, and Angela seems happy. Um, Paul kisses her, and she seems conflicted, I guess. Not angry. She just doesn't really, almost confused. She doesn't know how to react. So she leaves, and then Judy, who has been watching, as we've already said, hates Angela, she starts to move in on Paul, right? As a way of getting to Angela. So that poor kid, what is his name? Mozart, the one who had the atomic sit-up prank. They do another prank on him. Uh, This time it's the shaving cream gag. Did either of you ever see the shaving cream gag? I did see the shaving cream gag play out, yep. (laughs) So if- I have seen that one play out, yep. And putting your hand in warm water, you know, that one too. I think I remember that one, but- Except this time when the guy wakes up, he gets a knife out and he starts chasing after Paul. <laughs> but what I love about this is no one seems concerned that he's chasing. Even Paul is laughing like, ha ha, you got a knife. But fortunately, that counselor comes in and takes the knife. <laughs> I guess he was going to stab Paul. I don't know. And then the next day at the beach, everyone is swimming except Angela. Again, this pisses off Meg, the counselor. So she comes up to Angela and starts berating her, basically. And Angela just stares, which pisses off Meg even more. Everyone just can't stand the fact that Angela doesn't react, you know, and just drives them insane. 
Um, and she basically starts assaulting Angela. You know, she like grabs her and starts shaking her. Unfortunately, that other, the nice guy counselor, he comes in and, and puts a stop to it. So yeah, at this point in the movie, you have a lot of um, sympathy for Angela. I think maybe early on in the movie, you thought she was creepy. Now she's starting to be sympathetic, I think. Yeah. Anyways, that's how I was feeling at this point in the movie. Um, that night, Judy taunts Angela even more, asking her, you know, why don't you ever shower with the other girls? And she says some very mean things that I guess teenage girls would say to other teenage girls. And of course, it ends with the <laughs> the insult that I opened the podcast with. She's a real carpenter's dream, flat as a board and needs a good screw, uh, which is a movie line. No one comes up with that just off the top of their heads. <laughs> Um, although it does sound like something like a common insult, maybe that people would pass around, but Ooh, we're going through a lot here. Angela is upset, of course, uh, and she goes to see Ricky, but they're <laughs> Justin, what are the, on the way she sees some older boys and what are the older boys doing? Are Do you remember water balloons? They're having a water balloon fight yeah, on top of a building. And they hit her with one. Yeah. They turn and they, yeah, they just turn on her and hit her with one of the water balloons. Uh, Ricky sees this and flies into a cursing rage and he has some of the best swearing ever. <laughs> I didn't write it all down, but yeah, he, his rant is just perfect. Mel comes and breaks it up shortly after and they all get in trouble. After that, one of the boys goes into the bathroom stall. Mia, do you remember what happens to him in the bathroom stall? Oh yeah. Somebody accidentally sneaks in a, uh, a bee's nest. Not, not really accidentally, but there's a bee's nest in there. And it things the living thing. Yeah, they just drop it in there when he's in the toilet. And they also lock the, like, they slide oh, yeah, in like they, a piece of wood or something to yeah. lock the, the stall. The stall, yeah. I don't remember. Was it bees or hornets? Yeah, it's not clear, but it's like a nest. So a hornet's nest is maybe more... Uh... Yeah, I think it was a hornet's nest. But anyway, so he goes to the bathroom. They block the door so he can't get out. And then they throw a hornet, uh, we'll say a hornet's nest in there with him. This is one of the most painful special effects in the movie. I don't know about you guys, but when they show him after this... Yeah. Oh, it's horrible. Yeah. What was worse, do you guys think? The burn, uh, already being burned, or this guy? Oh, this guy. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Burn was pretty bad. <laughs> uh, yeah, they're both really bad. I don't know. Yeah, the... yeah, they're both really bad. Well, for this one, you see, like, all you see is his face and his arm, and they're both completely covered mm -hmm. with yeah. the hornets. Hmm? Yeah, we're just agreeing. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, and you're you're seeing like huge welts from where he's been stung so many times, and they're like crawling. Oh man, it's horrible. So yeah, he gets it pretty bad too. And how many cringeworthy scenes are there in this movie? It's just like so many. Yeah, it's it's an impactful movie. Like I said, I, I've seen a lot of slasher movies, and most of them kind of blur together, but this one always sticks out in my mind. Um. So now we've had three horrible incidents in a very short time period this summer camp. So Mel believes his business is ruined and it's not clear, but I think, um, I think it's implied that a lot of the counselors, excuse me, a lot of the campers go home after this. People yeah. finally realize what's going on. So he's freaked out. He thinks he's, his business is ruined and he's probably right. Uh, or you could go the Friday the 13th way where somehow a new camp just opens in the same place every year after the mass murder but um he also believes he knows who's responsible so paul and angela go off to the beach at night and paul starts to kiss her again and at first this time she's kind of okay with it until he starts to undo her shirt which leads to like a weird flashback scene okay who wants to tackle the flashback scene Oh man, okay, well, flashback seems weird. Uh, so <laughs> it's like a dreamland kind of thing. And I guess it's Ricky and Angela, but I'm not sure. It's maybe Angela and someone else. Uh, I think it's but, supposed to be the two kids from the beginning of the movie. Mm -hmm. Yeah, 
so a boy and a girl um, yeah. is what we think. And they're mm-hmm. like pointing at one another in a surreal kind of way. And they're like pointing at each other's chests. And yeah, that's my, that's, that's all I got. <laughs> yeah, it's that part is really hard to understand what's going on there. But before that, there's another really important part where they see their dad in bed with another man. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you're right. right, right, right. Mm -hmm. And, you know, again, where we talked about this movie being politically incorrect, there's actually, but in some ways, progressive. They could have played, even though the kids are giggling, you know, of course they're giggling. They're like five years old, you know, but the the gay relationship, it's the two guys from the beginning of the movie. If you don't remember, it's the dad and the dad's friend. So there you go. Um, But this is handled... They're treated fairly respectfully, I think, you know. Um, it would have been easy to make fun of them, but the movie doesn't. So keep that in mind, because there, there's some, there's actually some progressive, for 1983, that's fairly progressive, I think. Oh. But anyway, so they see their dad and some man in bed together, and it's it's not subtle uh, what's going on. They're, they're very affectionate towards each other. And then, yeah, there's something with them and the two kids in bed together, like staring at each other. I don't know, it's not explained. But anyway, so Angela has all this flashback when Paul tries to undo her shirt and it cuts back to Angela then and she yells no and runs away from Paul who's like, huh? I don't know what's going on. (laughs) Um, The next day while everyone's playing capture the flag, Paul tries to make up with her but fails. And Judy, again, instantly moves in. Um, So Ricky leads Angela into the woods with a plan to get the other team's flag. And while... Angela's in the woods. She sees Judy kissing Paul, basically, which upsets her, and she runs off. So when Paul tries to, again, there's a lot of, a lot of this last part of the movie is Paul trying to make up, make up with Angela and failing. But uh, when Paul tries to make up with her later at the beach, Judy comes over uh, and tells her that Paul called her a prude. And Paul, it's obviously true because of how Paul reacts. And he's just like, uh, 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 I gotta go. And he just leaves. <laughs> Before we get too much into the next, I want in, into the next part of the movie, I want to talk about uh, Felissa Rose's acting. This was her, I believe her first movie, definitely her first starring role. She's 13. And I don't know. I think she does great in this movie. I agree. Um, because... She has very little dialogue, but when she is, even without dialogue, she still conveys a lot, right? Earlier in the movie, you see how uncomfortable she is. You can see her being kind of scared when she's not talking. And here is when she starts to get creepy because as Judy is like just being really, really cruel to Angela, Angela's not saying anything. She's still just staring, but the look in her eyes is terrifying there's several close-ups of her face and she is just i've never been that scared of a 13 year old girl (laughs) she looks like she wants to kill judy but um so a lot of things happen here really quickly as judy is making fun of angela meg again the counselor who, who hates her comes over and threatens to throw her into the water so she picks up angela over her shoulder and starts dragging her to the water with Angela screaming no and Judy following behind, making fun of her. So again, we're getting to carry levels of cruelty here, right? At the same time, right before that, Ricky gets approached by um, Mel, who starts questioning him. Mm-hmm. When Ricky sees what's happening to Angela, he wants to go help, but Mel grabs him and basically accuses him of being the murderer. It's like, every time something bad happens to that girl, you're there and someone dies. And he's basically assaulting Ricky at this point, right? So fortunately, that counselor comes in, breaks them up, but not in time to stop the girls from throwing Angela into the water. Ricky goes to help her. And just to add insult to injury, I don't know if you guys noticed, as she's, he's leading Angela away, there's kids throwing dirt at them. Yeah, we saw that. Jesus. So at this point in the movie... Who did you guys think was the killer? When I first saw it, uh, I did, I was kind of surprised when Ricky gets Ricky gets accused, but I can see 
I don't know. Who did you guys think was the killer at this point in the movie? Did you think it was Ricky? Did you believe Mel? So I spent a little bit of time thinking it was, uh, what did you say his name was? Mozart? Um, the one with the... Oh, yeah. The one who gets bullied? Mozart? Yeah. Okay. So I think there was a chance it was one who gets bullied. Um, and then I thought there was a chance that Ricky and Angela were in on it together. Like they were mm. evil twins or something. Um, and so they were like playing off nice during the, during the day, but then at night they were like, it was showing one person, but they were kind of like tag teaming together. Um, oh, so which would explain be, how they're able to take down, you know, the bigger. Yeah. And they're like really close and they're looking out for one another. And it like, I thought it was maybe signaling a little bit that maybe it was Ricky and that was a little bit of a red herring. And so maybe him and Angela together, were uh were what was really uh going on so that was my guess yeah I, I mean, because they they make it a point to point out sometimes when ricky is missing mm -hmm. and you can't see one or the other yeah at the same time yeah okay so yeah i mean they def they definitely are wanting you to think it's Ricky. Um, although the first time I saw the movie, I didn't think it was Ricky. I was surprised, um, which maybe that was because I, I already knew the what really happens. But uh, yeah, anyways, Mel thinks it's Ricky. <laughs> He's just going after this kid. I mean, he could call the police, but anyways. <laughs> so it's nighttime again. Uh, one of the counselors. Oh, we're getting close to the end of the movie. All right. <laughs> one of the counselor gets assigned to take um, some kids on an overnight hiking trip, which he's not happy about. Um, it be the same kids that were throwing mud and dirt at uh, Angela and Ricky as they were walking away from the dock. You know what? Now that you say that, I think you're right. I think you're right. Good. Good catch, Justin. So, yeah, they're going on a camping trip, and Meg... Mel has asked Meg to have like dinner at his place one night and Meg has the night off. So she agrees. I don't know why it's, it's very, the implications are very obvious here. Right. Mel's kind of an old guy. I, I don't know if it's, he's rich or what the deal is there, but uh, she's like, Hey, I'll come to your place tonight. But while she is showering, someone stabs her. It's actually probably the least. Not Meg. Not Meg. It's actually probably the least violent death in this movie, or least graphic until later. Okay. But yeah, you just see, they stab her like through the wall. They do. Um, yeah, through the wall. I thought it was through the uh, curtain. But it's oh, okay. Maybe the curtain. Anyways, but they stab her in the back and kill her, uh, obviously. So, hey, two shower murder stabbing scenes in a row. We did Psycho last, last time. Yeah, this is going to be very psycho-ish. Mm. Not as good as Psycho, but uh, yeah, pretty good. <laughs> That's a high, high bar. Yeah. So Paul tries to make up with Angela one more time. And she says a great line here. Now, when I met um, Felissa Rose, she wrote this on my autograph picture. Meet me at the waterfront after the social. Mm. So now Mel is looking for Meg. <laughs> and eventually finds he's like hey where's my hot young date my employee he finds her dead in the shower and we see that her back has just been like slit open you know so he decides to go after ricky basically instead of again calling the police at the same time the killer again we don't know who it is at this point goes after judy who is alone in the cabin after being abandoned by a boy because they were they were almost caught by mel so there's like a brief moment kind of like in Psycho again where you can see the killer, but you can't really see the killer because of the way it's lit. Did you guys know who it was from that? Or were you just like, no? Yeah. Yeah. I tried to look closely. You, you can't really tell. I think there's also some maybe some makeup or whatever to confuse you. But um, this person smothers Judy with a pillow. Oh, I forgot to mention she's curling her hair with a curling iron. So she gets smothered, and the curling iron mm -hmm. is put somewhere. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if you guys caught that. It's not explicitly shown where it's stuck, but interviews later have reviewed, revealed 
where the curling iron was put. You can use your imagination. A couple choices. Really, only a few, I think. Um, Yeah. Anyways, so back at the campsite, that that counselor, he has driven some of the – some of the kids woke up in the night and wanted to go home. So I was like, fine, I'll take you back or take them back to camp. I don't know what you two are talking about, but they're suggesting to me over here there are three places (laughs) that the curling iron could go. And I'm pretty sure there's only two, <laughs> but I'm ready to move on now. <laughs> Sorry, I was being distracted. Well, <laughs> I can think of three, but her face is covered by the pillow. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So there's only two where it can be yeah. going. <laughs> Everybody, you can't see the video. Um, yeah, as I'm talking, there's people like doing weird gestures to each other in the background. I'm like, what the hell are you doing? Anyways, so <laughs> uh, she got killed but we're moving on. So the camp counselor has left with a couple of the kids who wanted to go back to camp. And when he comes back, um, when he comes back, the remaining kids are sliced up in their sleeping bag. You know, there's no remaining so, kids. They're, they're, they're all dead now. Yeah. They are. Rip, 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 rip. Um, so he runs off to get help while Mel finds Ricky, drags him into the woods, and just launches into him. Yeah, and he apparently... Have you guys watched uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier? Not yet. Oh, well, never mind. Um, Anyways, he beats this... He he apparently beats Ricky um, to death. And I, I think maybe he did beat Ricky to death, but later they show us he's okay. But I think the scene is supposed to tell you he beats Ricky to death because he just lays into hell, man. He's like Hulk smashing him, you know, screaming at him. But as he comes out of the woods, he sees the real killer who shoots an arrow through his neck. <laughs> I think this is kind of a reference to a Friday 13th part two or three where someone gets an arrow shot by an arrow. But uh, so Mel's dead. Mel got off kind of easy, though. He just gets a, an arrow through the neck. Uh, okay. We're almost to the ending, everybody. Here it comes. The police come, because by now they've been told about the counts- the kids that have been cut up, and the counselors go out to look for the last of the campers. Meanwhile, Paul finally meets up with Angela at the waterfront. She's like, let's go swimming. He says, now? What about our clothes? She says, take them off. Uh, he's like, Okay. So he starts getting undressed. Now, we're at that point in the slasher movie where they finally start discovering all the dead bodies. <laughs> you know, there's just been people dying throughout the movie. But this is the part where they're like, ah, dead body. Ah, dead body. <laughs> um, they also find Ricky, who, like I said, should have been dead, but is somehow still alive. All right. Who gets to take? So the counselors go into the go out to the lake. They see like kind of in the shadows they can kind of see paul and angela um there's a brief flashback scene which we'll get to afterwards but first the twist ending who gets to take on the twist ending you guys want to fight over it it's it's pretty intense so angela's there with paul um paul's head and um, (laughs) paul's dead and angela um stands up and um angela has a penis it turns out and uh covered in blood and looks crazier than jack nicholson which is (laughs) pretty pretty high bar of crazy face and so you learn that angela is actually a boy and he has been going around killing everyone including paul um yeah yeah so that's right. We find out Angela is the killer, and this is done. So, I mean, this scene, I, I've watched this movie a few times. It still gets me. Um, there's a lot to say about this scene, but it happens very quickly. We just see Angela standing there, and yes, she is holding Paul's um, – there's Paul's severed head, so she has decapitated Paul, um, the only, like, semi – one of the few semi-decent people in this movie. Um, she is covered in blood. And the look on her face is, I would describe it as completely feral. Like her mouth is really wide open. Her eyes are super wide open and she looks like an animal and it just kind of lingers on her. And and again, yeah, this is full frontal male nudity. 
There's no doubt about what you're seeing. Uh, and yeah, it's, it's a really well done scene. And it kind of ends on that. Like, oh my God, she's a boy. And in scene. But, well, first I want to get Mia's thoughts. Uh, Mia, you kind of had spoiled for you. Um, but you kind of, what did you, how was, what was your reaction to seeing this scene? So to me, the, uh, so the fact that she was a he was not like necessarily completely shocking. It was really the covered in blood, the face, the feralness, like you said, of just the shock value of her face. That is just like with the music, my phone is just like so intense. Mm-hmm. And it was just crazy. Uh, plus, she was cradling, um, what's his name's head? Oh, Paul's, Paul's head. Paul's severed head. Head, which was, you know, as the campers, or the, the two counselors are coming up, they're like looking for them. And they're like, Angela, are you okay? And, you know, of course, they're coming up to where you think it's like a scene where they're going to be fine. And it's just this person covered in blood with this shocking, like, look on their face very feral it was so intense yeah and at first because it's it's done really well um you it's lit just so that you can see like the back of angela and paul's head so it looks like they're they're naked or it looks like she's naked and she's like kind of rubbing his head you know and then when it switches you realize no she's been holding his severed head and she's a boy um now mia did you there was a flashback right before that. So did you know, did you get everything? What had the whole story of the movie or did you have to look it up afterwards? No, I-, I What Angela's deal was? Yeah, no, 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 yeah. I got from the flashback. It was yeah. like, oh, it turned out to be, I because I really did think, I didn't even think about it. So like I had, spo- I had looked it up and I had spoiled it for myself, but I completely have forgotten it while watching the movie. And so I never, it never like even triggered towards, just towards the very end, but it didn't even like, even at the very end, I was like, oh my gosh, mm-hmm. insane. But yeah. it was really cool. So Justin, what was your first reaction to seeing this from the greatest horror movie twists? Did you understand what was going on? Were you completely no, confused? So I understand what was going on at first because it happened so... <laughs> It's so loud and it's so overwhelming. And because of the scene, it's dark and you're not staring at her genitals. That's just not what you're doing, right? You're like, her face is like, like she's feral and you see you see his head. So as it was like playing out though, like the scene was too overwhelming. It's kind of like the shower scene in Psycho in that way. It was like too overwhelming for me to piece what was going together other than Angela was the, was the killer was sort of like all I was able to piece together in the moment. Um, so yeah, it was, uh, it was more than I, my, my sensors could uh, intake. <laughs> so basically for anyone who's still confused, um, this is why I said pay very close attention at the beginning. Um, in the beginning, we see a boy and a girl, and the dad gets killed, and one of the kids gets killed, but we don't actually, we see one of them facing them in the water, but we can't tell who it is. So we're left the whole movie thinking that Angela survived, and the boy was killed. In reality, the, uh, the girl was killed, and the boy survived, and was sent to live with Aunt Martha. Now, Aunt Martha has dealt with the trauma of finding out that her husband has left her for a man. So maybe she was already unstable. Now she's definitely unstable. So Martha, always wanting a girl, decides to make young, I think her name was actually Peter or something, says, you're going to be my girl. I've always wanted a girl. Uh, You will be Angela. And basically forces Angela to be Angela. Mm -hmm. So that's that's what happens. That's the story of the movie. There's a lot to unpack here. Um, first off, I want to talk about the a little more about the scene itself. Obviously, Felissa Rose, that's not Felissa Rose, naked at the end. Uh, she is actually a woman. I've met her. So that scene is done really well because for the close-ups, it is Felissa Rose. For the long shots, no one knows who that is. Um, the man that they hired for that scene, they don't know who it was. I asked her, like, who was, does anybody know who that person is? 
And it was just somebody they hired for that shot briefly. And whoever played, whoever, whoever is standing full frontal nudity there has never come forward. Um, so we don't know who that person is. Yeah, a little bit of trivia for you. I don't know. Would you come forward if it was you? Depends. Yeah. Depends, maybe. <laughs> well, you also have to understand in 1983, movies like this, I mean, they're, they're still kind of a little taboo, but this was like hardcore porn at the time as far as how they were seen in society. You know, that person, whoever it is, you're out there probably still. We wish we, wish we, we, wish we knew who you were, but we don't. Um, so yeah, for the close-ups, it's Angela. For the long shots, it's some guy with a mask on, and the mask is really creepy looking. The music too. I mean, I know we've said it multiple times now, but the scene itself is overwhelming in part because of the pace and what you're seeing, but also from like the kind of epic horror-sounding music, da 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 da, that really kind of stuck with me. It's really something. It's really well done. I think this is a well done movie. I mean, yeah, it has a lot of the. What's that, Mia? I agree. I, I there are moments where it were like definitely very cringy for me. Where I'm mm-hmm. like, what? Should I continue to watch it? Especially like the first minutes when you meet the cook and he's talking about the kids. It made me feel very uncomfortable. And some of the interactions, but it's a really well done movie. I, I enjoyed it. But I mean, that's what the movie's trying to do, right? It's trying to make you uncomfortable, so it succeeds. So um, we're running at the end here. Now, normally we try to avoid, or at least I try to avoid political, modern, social stuff, but I feel like we need to get into it a little bit here. This movie, uh, some people have seen this movie as offensive to the gay community. Uh, Other people have embraced it as kind of like a queer horror movie. Um, I don't know. Do you guys see this as a, in terms of what it does with like gender and homosexuality, is this does this movie have a progressive message or is it not? Is it offensive? I have my opinion, but uh, Mia, why don't you go first? Sure. So um, I think I could see both ways where it was offensive. I think it's mostly um, I don't know. It could be both ways because one of the things is um, this is through also like the lens of trauma mm-hmm. um, and how someone was kind of like forced into something right um, and so it was you see the the aunt Martha I guess has like some trauma herself mm-hmm. and she's forcing additional trauma on someone else's experience of it as well and so um, but uh, I don't know. It's I, I, I think it's a tricky situation. I think I thought it was a well done uh, movie. I enjoyed it. Just like yeah, I mean, so on one hand, right? I mean, it's 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 spotlighting a gender bender character, um, which is you would think uh, is is some positive form of representation of gender bender characters in movies. Uh, you've got Angela and then you, um, not gender bender, but then you have uh, gay males um, as part of the characters that are, are highlighted, but not, uh, like, as Jared said, ridiculed. Um, however, <laughs> it's also hard to miss that, like, um, uh the murderer is the one that had to go through the gender bender stuff and is a complete psycho yeah. as a consequence of that. So it kind of like suggests, mm-hmm. you know, one, one takeaway is like the abuse made him that way. And another is probably more sinister to the two, two communities that would be sensitive to people identifying in different genders than the, the sex they were born with. Um, so I could certainly see both, you know, I mean, it, 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 it gives representation of those characters, but then those characters are really, really, uh, uh, not the dad, but I mean, you know, Peter slash Angela is a mad mass murderer, uh, who murders up a bunch of babies and stuff, uh, or small children for mm-hmm. no good reason other than maybe they threw dirt at her. Um, so, you know, I, I could see why I wasn't a big fan, why they, why the LGBT community might also find parts of it 
not great. Yeah. Well, actually, uh, for my from what I've seen, it, the movie like gay horror fans usually like this movie. They're usually not offended by it, uh, which horror fans are usually kind of hard to offend, anyways. But uh, I don't know. I see the movie as yes, she is the killer, but at the same time, there's the the Carrie comparison, right? Where you you sympathize with the killer, like you kind of understand they're driven to what they're to what they've they they do. They've been pushed to it because of how poorly they've been treated and it's kind of interesting to look at this movie because basically at least in america uh, in popular discourse no one talked about transgendered people until the caitlin jenner thing happened and that became a big deal and then suddenly everyone was talking about transgender people right uh this was a quarter of a century before that (laughs) so some people, I know, I know when I saw uh, the panel with Felissa Rose, she said that she saw Angela as transgendered, and I actually disagree. Um, I think that it, she's kind of like a weird backwards example of being transgendered, where she was still forced to be something she's not, but she was, yeah, you understand what I'm saying. It's kind of backwards case here, right? Mm-hmm. She's actually a boy who's being forced to be a girl, right, instead of uh, the other way around. Yeah, so I, I don't know. Like I said, it's it's kind of complicated. I don't think the filmmakers were trying to, were even thinking about that too much, probably. They are just probably thinking of a good, shot intriguing storyline. Yeah, probably a lot of shot going on here. But it is, it is fun to look at uh, in retrospect. So, yeah. Uh, any last thoughts? I want to talk, got a little more to say, but any last thoughts on this movie? I think we've covered it all. But uh, would you recommend it? I would. I like the movie. Yeah, uh, uh, it's worth watching. There's some good camp slasher nostalgia and some gender bender uh, gray area stuff going on with, I mean, the final scene I think is as like, is as iconic of a horror moment as, as anything. I mean, it's worth, if you like horror films and you like shock and horror, you should, you should watch it and you should not, uh, it's too late now because I already told you what happened, but uh, yeah, but we warned uh, people. We did warn people. Um, yeah, even knowing it, it doesn't really necessarily take away from that scene. I mean, that no. scene was really phenomenal. So I, yeah, I, yeah, you know what you're getting into, and you probably want to like horror movies, but uh, should definitely, definitely watch it. Yeah, I think that the last scene where you just like it's so like graphic and intense kind of reminds me like in the exorcist where her like her head twists and you're just like that like just graphicness yeah no just like wow you could identify the movie based on just that one image Mm -hmm. yeah for sure yeah we we've seen so much gore and violence and stuff in movies that it's hard to shock but when something's done really well it still can you know, so this movie from 1983 that was kind of forgotten for a long time, I think by a lot of people, carries a lot of impact. And, you know, I would I would put it as easily a top 10 slasher movie. But so that's Sleepaway Camp. Um, once again, thanks for the request. I hope I hope we did it justice. And let's see here. Uh, 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 oh, yeah. So there were sequels to Sleepaway Camp. There were... <laughs> There were three there. I mean, really two, there were two in the eighties and then one in like 2008. That was very loosely related, but listen to this. Cause it's interesting. The, the sequels become more comedic. Uh, I've, I've seen them all. They're not as good in my opinion, but they're entertaining, I guess. So Felissa Rose, Angela comes back. Um, Felissa Rose does not come back for two reasons. One, uh, the Angela character is completely different and Felissa was like excited about going to college when they were making those movies. So, but the person that they got to play Angela was Bruce Springsteen's sister, Pamela Springsteen. Really? <laughs> That's cool. Seriously. Yeah. That's some fun trivia. Yeah. And they kind of throw away the whole, the whole debate about Angela being traumatized for being forced to be a girl because in the sequels they have her actually be transgendered and she gets surgery and becomes physically a woman which kind of and she goes back to camp even though she should hate camp um but yeah if you really like sleepaway camp go ahead and watch those movies they're 
there's something. Um, <laughs> all right. Next up, Return of the Living Dead. Return right. of the Living Dead. Finally. Um, yeah. This is yours, right? You picked this one up? Yes. Return of the Living Dead. One of my favorite movies of all time. And we'll finally find out where the name of the podcast came from. So you can oh. all stop asking me. Uh, what? Hey, what's your podcast called? Rabid Weasel. Why? Well, just watch episode, listen to episode 22 and you'll understand. Um, right. Yeah, go watch Return of the Living Dead. One of the best one of my favorite movies period definitely one of the best zombie movies so with that thanks again for listening everybody um hit us up on social media we got a facebook page uh, we're eventually hopefully get a website send us requests comments and with that say goodbye goodbye, goodbye. See goodbye you everybody time. thank you guys <laughs>